0: with dating. I find it quite fun to throw it out Like within the first couple of minutes of just, oh hey, I was sectioned on the Mental Health Act and uh, yeah, it was, I had psychotic hallucinations and I saw God and I time travelled and um, so where are you from? You are listening to Made of Human also known as The Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen who is a Danish comedian. MoPod, trying to find out Mopod. how to do
1: but it turns out nobody knows hello i hope that you're all doing very well thank you for uh sticking with me (laughs) i think that's gonna be the theme of um of this whole intro and possibly also outro uh for this episode i think Uh, I'll talk about all of that later. There's a lot to say, basically, but I want to say some very crucial things first. First of all, Juliette Burton is uh, just a wonderful, wonderful, heartwarming person who is always just trying to do the right thing and always trying to make people feel better. And she uses her own trauma and her own past just in order to make people feel better. And that is... Uh, just beautiful and wonderful. There are... This is a bit of a... I don't know. It's not a trigger warning. I don't know if it's even a content warning, but it's just maybe a little heads up that um, uh, there are two points in the podcast where Juliet uses the words um, obese and overweight. And we don't use those words. I know that makes me sound a bit like a teacher, but we don't really... uh, Like, because obese is a um, medicinal... Me- medicalization oh my god it's making a uh fatness sound like a like a disease basically so we we don't like the word obese and also overweight insinuates that there is a weight that you can uh that you should be there's like a normal weight and then so anything that's like under overweight is uh is not a good word we don't like that but at the uh in the conversation i didn't flag it because first of all we're all on our own journeys we're all still trying to learn there was no reason to uh at this point really uh, flag it up or like interrupt julia cuz she was talking about something that wasn't something i should just interrupt basically but i did say it uh i did say to to her afterwards just told her that i was going to be mentioning it and you know it's just in like the nicest and most um un confrontational way and I think sometimes we get a bit nervous when we want to call something out like it sounds like such a terrifying thing we don't want to make people sad or make people feel uncomfortable but I think I realize it doesn't always have to be uncomfortable you can't just say oh hey by the way especially when it's someone like Juliet who you know just wants to do the right thing so of course she was like oh my god thank you for telling me that's really good to know great Great work, everyone. So that was the first thing I need to say. and then quickly need to say that I'm going on tour in 2019, uh, April, May and June. I will be going all over the UK. I will be going to Cambridge, Coventry, Colchester. Oh, is it Colster? I think we've talked about this before. Colchester, Cardiff, Salford, Liverpool, Newcastle, Bristol, Birmingham, Leeds, Norwich and Exeter. I will also be doing London and other places like that. But for the moment, these are the tickets that are out. You can find them on sophiehagen.com uh, with an F S O F I E H A G E N. It's gonna. It's. It's called the Bubble Wrap Happy Fat uh, Tour because Bubble Wrap is my first ever show that I never got to tour. So it'll be part stand-up show. And then Happy Fat is my book that's coming out next spring about being fat and why it's so good to be fat. So the show will be like a a big, it's a big show. It's in big theaters. Uh, One hour of stand-up, one hour of book reading, Q&A. And I'll bring a shit ton of books that you can then buy. Uh, And you can, you can already pre-order the book now. But I don't think we've announced that yet. So secret. The third thing I just quickly want to say before I let you listen to Juliet is uh, I have a new podcast and I, uh, this is how much I love it. Today I've been packing, uh, I've been stuffing badges into envelopes, like a hundred or so just to send it to people with money I don't have <laughs> because I love the podcast so much and it's called Secret Dinosaur Cult. It's me and Jodie Mitchell, whom you might know from this podcast. She's amazing. And uh, it's a live comedy podcast. We discuss trauma and uh, identity politics and daddy issues and dinosaurs. And it's so much fun. I love it so much. We're doing live shows at the moment all over London. We will take it elsewhere. But at the moment, it's mainly London. Please come to the live shows. It is the most fun and people really... People become friends. Like our audience members are like hanging out now. It's so much fun. You will absolutely love it. If you can't come to a meeting, a live show in London, uh, just go and listen to it on wherever you find your podcasts. I'm at this you know where to find podcasts because otherwise, where are you listening to this from? So uh, tickets and everything else is on Cult dot com. So yeah, I, I'm just really proud of that project. It's a it's a project that really makes me happy, and uh, yeah that's a good thing to have at the moment I'm going to return to that but first I want you to listen to this inc- uh, just this incredible person Juliet Burton <laughs> For people who might not know who you are, do you want to do like a quick introduction?
0: Sure. Uh, My name is Juliette Burton and I am a comedian, a speaker, a writer. um, And I used to be a journalist um, and that led me into doing uh, voiceover, which led me into acting, which led me into comedy uh, and then writing comedy. Uh, And I have lots of mental health conditions as well, which I'd happily reel off the list to you if you want. (laughs) I think we'll definitely need that. Okay. Uh, I have uh, in my life I've been diagnosed with the following conditions: anorexia, anxiety disorder, bipolar disorder, body dysmorphic disorder, bulimia, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, compulsive overeating disorder, depression, um, psychotic hallucinations. Did I mention OCD? Uh, uh, probably, but in there as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know that mental mental health. A lot of people do struggle with the mental health conditions, but I, I feel I feel like I might win. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I've been sectioned. I don't. I definitely, nobody wins in the game of mental health. Uh, mm. I have been sectioned on the mental health act as well um which uh was super fun
1: would you say you're do you use the word activist are you an activist
0: within the mental health do you know what i mean yeah i i i don't tend to focus on the word activist interestingly with my with my shows i'd say there's social activism within the shows uh that i do the comedy shows that i do um because I like to, because my favourite thing when I go to see a comedy show is when I leave feeling like my perspective has changed on the world. And if they've given me something to do or something to, to feel or like an activity to take away with me, if I'm really impassioned by it, then that I, I love that and I love being able to do that with my audiences because it's up to them. The show can live on as long as they want it to. Um, so, yeah, I think myself. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I need to start calling myself an activist. Um, but I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm too lazy to be an activist. I don't. I feel like I, I'd need to do more if I were to start calling myself that.
1: You did. I'm, I'm trying to. Re- when you, you were quite involved. Remember that advert on the tube, mm, the Beachbody ready advert. Be- Are you beach body ready? With mm. I mean, it was a horrible advert advertising for some kind of powder or whatever. Mm, protein powder for weight loss. Protein powder. You were quite. I want to use the word adamant, but I'm not sure I'm using the word correctly.
0: Is that the right word? There's very few times in the world in my life when I've been sure about something. And that was one of those times. Yeah. That that advert was not okay.
1: You were, I feel like you were a big part of it being taken down. Am Um, I wrong? Or was it just because you did a, I feel like you did so much to get that advert down.
0: Um, I So I, I all I did was sign a petition that I didn't start it. I just signed signed a petition and it automatically generated a tweet uh, as a response saying uh, my, the reason I signed it, which was that I spent life believing that I wasn't good enough. So I signed hashtag perfectly imperfect because I did done this show called uh, Look at Me that was all about um, body confidence. And I've been a size four and a size 20 due to anorexia and compulsive routine disorder. And I also have struggled with bulimia, which is a hidden condition. Uh, and body dysmorphic disorder where I perceive myself differently to how others perceive me, Um, and that's an anxiety-related disorder. And so I'm fairly invested in this idea of are we what we appear to be? Are we the way people treat us or are we how we feel about ourselves? And so for the show that I'd done, I got Arts Council funding to mean I could use prosthetic makeup to change the way that I looked in lots of dramatic ways. And we filmed it within cameras. So I spent a day being a 90-year-old lady, a day being a man, a day wearing uh, the hijab, a day dressing rather provocatively, a bit like um, maybe somebody... F- maybe like Jordan in the height of the 90s that kind of thing um, the person not the country and then also a day revisiting my obese body because I know people who are bigger like yourself who are confident and beautiful and powerful and incredible people and I was like why Why was I not like that when I was that size I, I want to be that so I, that whole quest within that show was trying to find where confidence comes from and the, having done that show, I then signed this petition against this advert because I found the the way it was designed very hostile. Um, are you beach body ready? And the way that the the lady was kind of uh, portrayed in it was quite aggressive in the colours. It directly said to me, and to a lot of people, if you don't look like this, you are not beach body ready. Um, and given all these voices in my head that I... I've battled with a, for my entire life, telling me that my body's not good enough. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be seen. I shouldn't be heard. Um, I'm disgusting and worthless and useless. And I, have I, ha- I'm just sick, sick of it. I'm sick of that voice in my head, and I'm sick of the voices around us. Like the wallpaper of our lives is is the advertising industry, and it it keeps feeding this idea that you have to look a certain way to be valued. Or to in any way, and even even then, even if you look like that, you still your voice isn't valued, just how you look is paid attention to. so so I signed and this um, this automatically generated tweet uh, included the, um, the company and they and I got into a little twitter discussion um that at all times I tried to maintain dignity and uh, respect because even if somebody is being very derogatory or insulting or um dismissive um they perhaps are coming from a place of fear or of anger and uh, or ignorance and uh you can't change the world through matching anger with anger. You can only change the world through matching anger with respect and steadfastness. Um, and so, I I had this Twitter discussion with the with the company, and then other people got involved, and the CEO of the company got involved um, and was again equally dismissive, um, calling me and other people crazy and get off get off Twitter and do some work, and uh, saying that we. We are a nation of sympathisers for fatties. Um, hashtag doesn't help anyone. I was like, this is this is not good customer service. It is not surely good for. It's not respectful for humans for humanity. Um, and yeah, they, the, their first tweet to me was, uh, why, "Why make your insecurities our problem?" And they used a winky face emoji. And it was it was very odd. Um, and it did kind of blow up. It was kind of like I felt like I was in the eye of the storm of of a Twitter, a Twitter hurricane that kind of started. And um, and at the time it was really bad because it was really difficult because it attracted a lot of attention very, very quickly and um, a lot of trolls, you've um, <laughs> had experience of <laughs> trolls. I love you. Yeah, they they kind of started attacking me for them. And, and everyone, lots of people got attacked in this whole thing that kicked off. It's kind of around a similar time just after Gamergate kind of time. And uh, the trolls started. It, it kind of came in waves, which I found fascinating. The first wave was attacking me for my looks, and that I was—that's the first thing. That's the, Did you know that there's a, on the shame for male, m- m- male versus female, right? So male, at, at which we're on a spectrum. We now know this, um, and the majority of people though, identify somewhere along the spectrum line. If if you draw a line in your head, one end is fully male, and one end is fully female. Most of us, kind of, somewhere about a third of the way in one way or another. And but, a,
1: but is that within the, that's within like a binary? Yes, yeah, within so a binary spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. excluding people who are not agender or non binary, they're in another.
0: I so I I don't I don't actually know maybe yeah. they be in the middle of that are they not is that that's I completely know. they don't identify I don't think the I've heard of the, of that spe- I think I know what you mean so so the the reason I brought it up was because yeah. in terms of if you identify as male yeah and if you identify as female there are number one shame triggers that have been ah uh, so like the classic, the classic stereotypical yes. yeah 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 so for women for those who identify as female um, the number one shame trigger is being called. Unfuckable. I'm allowed to swear. Oh yeah, (laughs) great. You're being called unfuckable. So uh, you're ugly. You're fat. You're those things that I I don't. I was called fat when I was a kid, and it's that thing of if you're called fat, shut shut up.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah Shut yeah. up. It's like
0: the worst thing you can be. It, it's it, it makes no sense. The word fat now clearly means woman with an opinion. That's <laughs> all it means. Um, and In then, that case, I'm fat, fat. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the male end of the spectrum, if you if identify as male, the number one shame trigger is being called weak. Oh, fun. So, so in my head
1: immediately went, good to know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Great. I'm going to note that down. i <laughs> uh, giving you some hints and tips for dealing. So, uh, but then that's really unhelpful in terms of mental health as well, because if you're seen as weak, we we all know that. It's supposedly the societal narrative we tell ourselves is that it is weak to ask for help. It is weak to say that you're struggling. It is weak to talk about your feelings, especially if you're a man. And to be sick as well. That's like a lot of uh, men don't seek help seek medical attention because they're like I'm a man and then you look at the suicide rates and think mm. well there's an obvious correl- correlation and then it also has a direct link to, to feminism agenda as well because uh, weak weakness and femininity is, is again a societal narrative where they're the same thing and it's like, oh you throw like a girl or don't cry mm. and we've got a man up it's like no there's these are unhelpful terms. Uh, so, being able to say it is strong and clever to ask for help. It is strong and clever to talk about your feelings and to open up. Um, anyway, back to the back to the, the Twitter thing. Um, the trolls started to attack me for being. F- at, uh, <laughs> having an opinion, and for for being ugly, um, beauty is subjective. So you know, uh, I don't, I I didn't buy into that too much. It was hard to hear it again and again and again and again and again. But I've come far enough along on my journey to know that those—that's where they were coming from. They were the go-to kind of just shut, shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah, but even when the if the words don't for me, it's also the words don't matter. But sometimes it's the volume.
0: It's just the constant. Yes. Oh god, there's more tweet. I have to oh, this again and again and again. And that's the, kind of the what's happened. The hard. fact that there's a human on the other end of that who think who is taking the time to type that out and try to directly hurt mm. you, that was that was so hard and then, then the next wave was oh she's a first world feminist um, so shut the fuck up you know you really have nothing to complain about um, look at all the other problems in the world then it was oh you could, you could ignore this why aren't you ignoring it it's like well you ignore. why aren't you
1: ignoring it like shut up
0: yeah like it, if, ignoring something that you feel passionate about that doesn't change anything why would I want to ignore it it needs to change so, like, I, I've tried ignoring my own mental health conditions for years. It, they don't go away. It doesn't. I tried ignored my tax return. It didn't help. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the next wave. And then the next wave was when they started to attack my mental health conditions because I started being more open and vocal. And I was asked to write articles, and I said, "Look, here's here's my stance. This is why I feel passionate about about this particular issue, and about advertising in general." Um, and then they, yeah, the the company started to say that I. Oh, it sounds like she had a lot of issues. Well, before she saw the advert, you know, issues, and that's dismissing somebody's opinion just because of mental illness. Uh, and then. And then the trolls that were being retweeted by the company as well were saying that I had an unreliable brain. That was the best out of all of them. Was somebody who was like, "You have an unreliable brain because you can't, your thoughts can't be trusted because of your mental health conditions," which was kind of a bit matrixy. I was a bit like, "Oh man, like, oh maybe maybe they have a." At this point, when I was so tired of all the trolls, I was like, "Maybe they have a point." It feels like it's like gaslighting a bit, isn't it? Hugely, um, and yet not specific to gender, just. yeah mental health um and then they were saying oh you're a mad harpy why would anyone want to discuss anything with a crazy person uh you should get get medicated like obviously your problem is because you're not medicated i have been on medication i've done that people telling me i should be sectioned do your research i've done i've been there done that they don't hand out free straight jackets uh there people saying just then i came off twitter and, and people started commenting on my youtube channel and saying things like hope she stops eating until she dies and and that was the hardest thing everything else i kind of i had a lot of help from my friends and a lot of positive voices as well saying that this is important and keep being vocal keep being um passionate about it does need to change but I hear that voice in my head every single day saying, "You should stop eating. You should just stop eating. You should just die. Why aren't you, why aren't you dead? Like you really, you're such a waste of space. Why, why, why are you trying? This nothing's getting better. Nothing that you're doing is is helping in the world. You're not getting better. You're still a mess. You can't do this. Why, why are you trying? Do you still hear that voice in your head? Oh yeah, all every, almost almost every day. Um, there's at least a twinge of you're re- you still have no idea what you're doing this is no better or worse um than when you just wanted to kill kill yourself however now the difference is that i've got all these other tools and all these amazing friends and all my work and this is like i i, I went on a date last night that was not good and <laughs> sorry if he's listening to this um but i don't think either of us thought it was good but he he was like saying so comedy you know like um Oh, it must be must be fun to have people like laugh. And I was like, mm, no, like <laughs> it's not. That's not why I do it. It's it's because I can't not. I have to have a job where I wake up and f- have a reason to go through all of that shit in my head. Like I ha- I can't I can't just get up and go to work and then and then go and then go to go home and and I need to have a purpose and a a reason to battle through all those those forests in my mind of. The quicksands and the and the slippery slopes. I just, I, I, if I have to go through that every day, there has to be a really fucking good reason to. And that's for me. the The work I do is, is yeah, hearing people laugh is amazing. But hearing them laugh about something that means something as well, that feels like maybe I might be changing the world, just a tiny smidgen, changing one person's world maybe. And that's, yeah, that's that's the only thing that's that's worth going through all the quagmire in my head. I'm, when you – because – so you talk a lot and openly
1: about all your uh, mental health conditions. Like we're currently in a studio only like 20 minutes after I did your podcast. What's it, what's it called again? Positive Mental Attitude Podcast. Positive Mental Attitude Podcast. Um, and we're still here. So we've just talked a lot about – before this recording, we've talked a lot about uh, mental health. And you do these shows, these comedy shows, where you also talk about it. That's why I mentioned activists in the beginning, because I thought it's kind of surrounding your whole work and possibly life is kind of making people aware of these things and speaking out about it. Um, how much of that is... And I'm slightly projecting within this question. <laughs> yeah, go for it. How much of that is mm, is building up a wall of going try me fucking try me <laughs> you fucking come at me with anything i have got three shows about this fuck you uh how much of it is for you like how much of you helping other people is because helping other people makes you feel good you know what i mean yeah absolutely I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out yeah i guess more if it's a wall or how much
0: it's a defense yeah i mean there's there's so many tabs open in my mind right now uh <laughs> firstly i th- I think it's definitely a wall in some ways um because I've tried to steer away from it, and that didn't really actually help me at all uh do you mean steer away from talking about it yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah yeah um, and actually, that wasn't where my strength lay, and everything i do like every every day is world mental health day in my head um everything I do is informed by by having these conditions because they were they were i developed them so young all my history has this it's been tainted with this and i feel like the only way to break free from that is to go further into it and to to bring it down from the inside to to usurp it to become to say yes this is me and yes also i am so much more than this because of and in spite of this um and so delving deeper helps me find find more about who I am and how I define myself beyond that, um, but then it is a wall in a way that, okay, well now, especially within the within the comedy world, it's like, well, I'm I'm Mental Health Girl, um, and I'm on. I, I often perform with uh, disabled uh, performers, and I'm I'm Mental Health Girl, and and I, I love that, but I also sometimes worry that that might be that can't be all I am. So, what I've been focusing on in the last couple few years has been. Uh, making sure that I'm as funny as I possibly can be and every show's... In, the next show that I'm writing at the moment is actually along this lines, um, these lines about um, uh, how we define ourselves. So I feel like I've defined myself by being mentally unwell um, and that was... As, when I was ill, when I was a teenager, it was that was my identity. Um, at the time, those formative years when you're figuring out who you are, I was anorexic. That was the one thing I knew about myself. I didn't know if I was clever or or funny or silly or a risk taker I didn't know any of I just I I was anorexic Um, and now I try I now have to be very careful about my um, my language that and it's through working with uh, physically disabled comedians actually where they've said uh, I, I do I am not a dwarf I have dwarfism and that definition, that that slight language change, where I am not anorexic, I ha- developed anorexia, I had anorexia, I am not bulimic, I have struggled with bulimia. Um, bu- it is separate to myself. It is not who I am. Um, and with the defence thing again, I do do that again with dating it because I find it quite fun to to throw it out like within the first couple of minutes of just oh hey I was sectioned on the mental health act and uh, yeah I was I had psychotic hallucinations and I, I was raped by the devil in one of my hallucinations and I saw God and I time traveled and um, so where are you from <laughs> uh, and I just like seeing how they <laughs> respond uh, because it will sort I'm from a farming family uh, so that, <laughs> this is the one thing I learned it'll sort the wheat from the chaff <laughs> uh, meaning that you'll you'll get you'll very quickly cut cut through to the good humans, the, the interesting people who are fascinated and curious. Who are like, me too. <laughs> yeah, the me too people are like, yes, amazing, yes, my people. Uh, the best people are the ones who are like asking questions, follow-up questions, and the very best people are the ones who then laugh about it with me. Um, Can I ask quickly about the yeah. I have, I am not? The, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, because, and that, because my only um, place of coming from it is within fat activism where I fight a lot against people who say, I am not fat. Well, I don't fight against people. I, get, I fight against the notion that you have to say, I have fat. I am not fat.
0: Oh, and okay. in terms of
1: that, it's because the argument for that is by fighting the I am not fat that makes fat to be a bad thing. But that sounds more like a societal thing, like something you should say out loud, where I get the benefits of saying it to
0: yourself. So I was just wondering how that fits. So for me, there's a really clear distinction in my head between those two things, Where, because like, I agree with you entirely on that. But with when it comes to I am fat, or I am a physical, there's an entity like I, I am white. mm that's not that's not an owning thing that's not a that's just a that's just a fact yeah and me saying that is like right I, that's an identification about my physical entity I am more than my body like I am my my conditions because they're invisible they're not they're not attached to my body mm. um, they might have had a physical symptom uh, like anorexia you might might you may or may not lose weight with anorexia and I did go down to a very low weight um, and that's the only time I actually ended up getting help was when that's when people start being scared is when, is when a teenage girl loses a lot of weight very quickly. Unfortunately, I already had underlying conditions that had, nobody had diagnosed before that. It just had to get to that extreme point. So <clears throat> my, I am not my body, but me saying, uh, I me using my body to express who I am and to to be present in my body, that is an empowered choice. So saying I am fat is an empowered choice about existing and being fully present within and owning your body. This is your body. This this right here is my body. Uh, my boobs have loose skin. My my arms have loose skin. My tummy, um, even even around areas between my legs, there's lots of loose skin, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And that me telling myself that is empowered, um, and that is not the same as oh I, I have loose skin. It's I. It's the difference between, I think, a physical inhabitation rather than my mental health conditions because they are invisible. I often get my behavior is often related to my condition. And yet people judge me on that behavior. They don't see the distinction between the condition and me.
1: Yeah. So it's like you're kind of fighting it becoming your whole identity or your main. Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. Can I ask about the anorexia? Yeah, totally. So, what, what, when was the first time you heard the word anorexia and thought, "Oh, that's me"?
0: Or was it the other way around? Um, the first time I'd I'd ever written anything. So, the, I, I I remember when I was ten. I was so I was very I was very overweight when I was a child. Um, and the first time I, I think I was struggling with food was around the age of six or seven. Um, I'd done lots of work in therapy going back to. Um, earliest memory of, of food and your relationship with food and i wrote loads about um in those therapy sessions about uh childhood um like birth birthday parties mm. this idea of everything's gonna be perfect and here's a beautiful buffet of food and here's where you're meant to feel loved so love and food and all that wonderful textbook stuff but I developed, I, I think I, I developed, uh, I had a an anxiety disorder and depression symptoms around the age of seven or eight. And I think that was when I started overeating. But nobody really, nobody, even my family, say they remember me overeating. I just suddenly magically gained weight. Um, that doesn't happen. I definitely must have overeaten. Um, and I remember food just being, this, like, people saying to me, out of sight, out of mind, when I was like ten and everyone was like, "You need to lose weight, you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight." I was taken to hospital every every school holidays because to be to be weighed and measured, and every school holidays for about two years told you need to lose weight. here's the good foods, here's the bad foods, you need to lose weight and it just got in like drilled into me at this such a young age where that i that my body wasn't good enough that i my body needed to change um that every other aspect of my personality wasn't as important as that I needed to. Change the way I physically looked, um, and so I had a I had an eating disorder. Clearly, it just wasn't diagnosed. I lost some weight when I was about ten. Um, I lost about three stone very quickly, uh, but that wasn't diagnosed as um, that wasn't diagnosed as an eating disorder. That was diagnosed as just that's what you needed to lose weight. Um, but it wasn't healthily done. And I remember writing around that time in a we had a, a school project where we had to write our life story. What a school project that is. Mm-hmm. And I remember writing um saying I, I wished I was anorexic. And <laughs> uh skip ahead to when I was fourteen, and that was when I an, a boyfriend uh we just first chatted about in our podcast, in my podcast, your first trigger was a was a boyfriend. I had a boyfriend at, uh, at secondary school when I was about 12. We went out for 18 months. He broke up with me. I didn't really like him that much. But mm-hmm. I just stuck it out because I'm fiercely stubborn and loyal. Um, and when he broke up with me, I I had put all of these emotions about my family, about not fitting in with my family, uh, about being so different to them, being sent to boarding school as well. Um, and the trauma of that, I put all of that into this relationship with this, this boy. This, this other entity um, that I'd become obsessed with and I told him I'd do anything to get him back and he said uh, well in that case you need to lose weight in front of all his friends um, and I let him physically do things to me as well that weren't uh, that weren't healthy um, for a while um, and it was it was abuse um, and I'm still learning about that within my own therapy. Do you want to Say if it's physical, or emotional, uh, both, um, but mainly there was physical stuff that went on, um, and it was it was really, it. I have a lot. I had so much guilt. Um, guilt was uh, uh, already entrenched in my family as well, um, and shame and secrecy, and I was very depressed. Um, I, I had regular. Um, I was about to say the word tantrums and that would be wrong word to use Um, like fits of just consumed with grief and it was so not about this boy but I, 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 I was very unwell at the time so although everything happened was consensual it was not in a healthy it wasn't enthusiastic consent um it was very unhealthy and uh i developed when i stopped the when i said to him I, I can't do this anymore that's when almost almost that cu- coupled with a foot operation that i went through i just i something just a light bulb went on and i was like that that's starving myself is the, is the answer it's the way to have a voice it's a way to it's a way to express myself this is this is the thing and i just committed <laughs> quite in all the ways committed uh, to anorexia um, and that was when I was 14 was uh, first diagnosed and uh, and at the time I remember going yeah well yeah I mean obviously uh, and then all my friends continued with their education I fell out of boarding school which is not necessarily a bad thing um, they didn't let me back after my first hospitalization because they said uh, that I was a bad influence on the other girls because of all the all the crazy <laughs> okay,
1: contagious
0: yeah uh and um uh yeah so i i was hospitalized voluntarily and then i was sectioned when i was 17 um the
1: sectioned mean does that mean that it's forced or yeah
0: yeah so i i had i didn't my human rights were taken away from me um i I was, And that's one of the things that um, actually Rethink Mental Illness, I'm an ambassador for now. They have a campaign at the moment called 35 Days to 35 Years, um, a very recent campaign that I've been quite vocal in. Uh, The legislation around um, being sectioned under the Mental Health Act, detained or committed, uh, hasn't changed in 35 years, even though our mental health attitudes have changed. So when you're sectioned, you have no human rights. They can treat you any way. They could do anything to you. And legally, you have not a foot to stand on. Um, And I—that's pretty fucked up. (laughs) It's completely messed up. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, And I, when I was sectioned, the way I was treated was not was not with respect or dignity. And the stress of being sectioned and not it not being explained to me, um, and having uh, I'm not I wasn't allowed to wash or uh, take uh, lots of my things were taken away from me. Um, I, I didn't feel respected in the stress of that exacerbated my own mental illness which meant that I then had a psychosis so I had audible and visual hallucinations for full-blown for three weeks um, and then for on and off for another two to three months after that um, which I think was possibly uh, avoidable um, had I been treated in a different way so um, so yes, that was all due to anorexia and the anorexia stuck around It's it's still in there but it then also morphed when I was a 19-year-old from anorexia, went very quickly to uh, compulsive overeating disorder. So I just I couldn't stop eating. And this is a harder thing to explain to people because anorexia is, is glamorized quite a lot. Compulsive overeating for me was I didn't leave the house. I didn't stop eating 24 hours a day. I would only stop eating when I passed out from the pain of eating. Um, I would have sweats, like sweating through my clothes, Uh I suddenly I went I, I I gained I doubled my body weight in three months, um, in a supremely unhealthy way, and I was suicidal because I I had no idea I was anorexic, like I that was who I was that was my entire identity. So sudden I'd lost who I was, um, I just I wanted to kill myself and I made I made many plans to, and then was sent to another hospital, um, and. Luckily, eventually, after I slept around as well for a long time to try and punish my body, um, I, I was led into some a, a line of therapy that has introduced me to a lot of other really amazing tools. And gradually, I've I've had a different... It then morphed into bulimia for a while. After after I was fired from a job, um, I suddenly struggled, struggled with bulimia, which I'd never struggled with before. I think that's one of the things is it's this shape shifter for me with food. And I think of it as like a tree. So there's a trunk of my tree, which is the anxiety disorder. And then from that, I've developed obsessive compulsive disorder, eating disorders to deal with the anxiety disorder. Amongst the anxiety disorder is also bipolar. So there's the mania and the depressive depressive episodes. But... All the other things, um, like, the yeah, the bulimia, body dysmorphic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, they are all ways of coping with acute anxiety disorder. Um, so I've now got all these different tools to help me with all these different voices in my head. Uh, not literal voices, they're not audible hallucinations, but these trains of thought that are my illnesses and are not myself. Um so yeah, that's a lot of information I've just said to you, and it's your podcast, and I've been talking a lot.
1: No, but that's that's the point. of <laughs> it Being my podcast, um, I want
0: How are you now? How are you right now at this yeah. minute? I'm I'm okay. I'm I yesterday was really struggling. Um, really struggling yesterday with food specifically. Um, I I lost my boundaries with my meals. Which and I was very tired, um, and tiredness is a big killer for me. It's it's it. If I'm tired, then everything else is not going to function properly. Um, and having boundaries around meals, knowing when I'm eating, um, sitting down and taking time to eat. I'm also going through a breakup, uh, long-term relationship and a long-term breakup. Uh, which I mean, I say going through, but I mean like it's done and dusted. But it's also there's still all the all the. Hopes that you kind of go, oh man, oh, I built that up in my head and in my heart. Um, And that's that's a new kind of new lessons to be learned um, about managing my mental health around this. But then, again, I've said to someone recently, on paper, looking at all my conditions and what I'm going through this year, I've I've lost a very close relative uh, this year and that's having an impact on my family, going through this huge breakup. On paper, I really ought to be curled in a ball crying in a corner and I'm not and I think I'm I think I'm finding ways to cope some of which are healthy the way and I think they're much healthier than they ever used to be there's other things like I'm I'm doing I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff I'm going out I'm, in, I'm doing lots of touristy stuff in London and I'm like maybe I'm doing this a bit too much but I feel like out of all the addictions I could have <laughs> that's not a bad one I kind of feel like that With I redid
1: our bathroom
0: yeah I, like, I don't
1: think this is th- i mean yeah. we hadn't we hadn't cleaned our
0: bathroom in eight months i said like, maybe it's not a bad thing that i clean the floor <laughs> yes I, I i it's that stuff I, i'm filling my diary with my friends like i need a, today after chatting to you i'm having lunch with a friend have got a couple of dates uh then i'm then i'm meeting more friends i'm going to try and do some admin in the middle of that i need to get back to my work a bit more But I feel like it's a survival technique again of like all those conditions I developed. (laughs) Maybe I'm developing the condition of enjoying my life. Uh, But all those conditions I developed were were ways of surviving. And there's something that's kicked in that's gone. This is sink or swim. We're going to have to swim. So let's fill the diary. Let's obsess about fun things to do all those things that you wanted to do in that relationship that you stopped doing because you were saving up to have a life together ah, fuck it let's go off and do those things let's, let's do the walking tours let's go to the bars let's go dancing let's do karaoke let's let's go to that restaurant for lunch and let's go to another restaurant for dinner who cares i mean they're not them they, i'm not advocating that everyone spends all their money uh i'm not and i'm not spending all my money uh and there needs to be some balance, but I'm I'm really yeah I am I am okay. I, I I'm worried. But do you ever have that thing where you kind of float above your body and you've got these two things of like that? This is how I'm behaving. This is what I'm doing. And then this is everything I've learned about my mental health. And I'm fairly sure that I need to also look after my inner child a little bit and say, okay, just calm down, darling. We we need to okay. We well, can do this today, but maybe tomorrow we might need a bit of a rest and do some other self care things like going through your emails and doing some work. and
1: I read somewhere, <laughs> it was that someone tweeted that your 20s is all about being okay with who you are and then your 30s are about uh, re-raising yourself into being the person you actually want to be. And that's obviously from a you know much broader age kind of perspective, but I think there's something about mental health that's first containing your demons and putting them into cages or killing them or learning how to live with them, whatever, how, whatever demon it is, however however you want to live with it. And then you go, right, I have this. I know what it is. I can sort of control it to a certain extent. Right, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Now who am I? Yes. And I think that's, that's the floating above your body thing is, okay, so what you do now is you clean the entire bathroom and buy new fancy hand towels. All right, well, I know what that is.
0: Now, how do I feel about this being part of who I am? So I'm quite liking that within, within dating at the moment is I feel like I thought I was going to be really sc- I was scared, but I quite like having a conversation with a complete stranger and going, well, this is who I am. And then noticing the things about that person that excite you because that is where I'm like, oh, well, that must be something I value in myself. Or bits where I'm like, that's not me. No, no, I don't, I don't feel there's nothing because I'm not excited by you. And that's not something I can respond to. And those things about like, I just felt I'm, I'm also very careful, because I don't want to define myself by men. Um but I don't I I didn't th- I mean I I feel
1: like I would be very aware if that was what you were doing. Yeah, thank you. I would thank be you. like, "Listen, girlfriend." But <laughs> yeah, you I, would totally say that. That's the thing <laughs> you'd say. <laughs> you, you know me. Um <laughs> uh, I feel that to me that sounds like learning who you are yeah. by looking at other people. I mean, cuz I feel like I've done that with everything. Music, friends, stand-up, um mm. email, like any kind of interaction, I kind of go do I like this? Am I enjoying this? Does this suit me? Mm. Clothes as well. Is this me? Do I like wearing this? Do I, I? I don't feel like that's a man dating love thing. I feel like it's just a trying things on.
0: Yeah, I, that's exactly why I, I love I love clothes. Love expressing myself through my clothes. Uh, I have. I am a hoarder, and I've got so many clothes. Um, but I I love them because it's playing dress up, and it's who do I want to be today? Does this fit? Does this feel right? Uh, I've got two other outfits with me today because I know that I'm going to want to be a different person later on not a completely different person still Juliet but I'm going to want to have a little little transformation um, and I also like that with um, with the shows with, with performing because to every single one of those audiences it's a different audience therefore I'm a different person and to each individual member of those audience audiences I will be a, a different they'll see something different in me I find it enchanting 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 i have three big questions i really want to ask you and we're
1: sort of running out of time a bit but i really want to try and get this in the first question would be do you do you feel like you deserve good things because a lot of what you've just said sounds like you're giving yourself a lot of good things and
0: is that something that's changed that's so interesting that's a really good question I think it's changing right now. I think now is the time where I'm like, no, I deserve this stuff. I I, I started getting my nails painted. Oh, nice! I and I I never I've never done that because I'm not I never you know I'm I'm not one of those women. I don't I don't go get manicures. I I, I mean I've got other things to spend. I got like I I donate to charity. That's what I do. Like well I can do both. I, maybe I could just have a nice. Now, like, not a mannequin, It's a speedy thing done on one of those nail bars. But every time I look down, I see these nails, and I'm like, actually, yeah, I'm worth this. This is not oh, fucking. I'm sound like a no. I, know, I advert, think we, no. I think we know what you mean. It's a beautiful thing that I can change and shift. It's not like getting my hair cut into a new style. It's a, it's a, it's a little thing of you. You do deserve this. This you, you deserve to be held and looked after. And this is who you are. It's just you've been turning away from it. Um, I think that feels different to people who have not spent their
1: entire lives punishing themselves. Yes, yeah. I think, I think they are the people who might, not all of them of course, but I think they, they will be the people who think it's just a manicure. But if you've spent your entire life trying to diminish yourself and punish yourself and you don't feel you deserve anything,
0: nail polish can be like, holy shit. <laughs> For me, my, these hands have spent quite a lot of time down my throat. They're not doing that anymore. If they're not going to do that anymore, then they need to be looking fucking fantastic.
1: I want to ask you about anger. <laughs> yes. Because you seem incredibly calm and you seem quite content. And when you talk about, like the trolls, for example, you talk about treating them with respect and dignity. And I wonder where the anger is and if it's, if it's contained. And if it is contained... If that's in a healthy way, if it's something you do, still need to have make it explode. Basically, just anger talk. I have a lot of
0: rage. Yeah. yeah. Where is it? Huge amount of rage. Uh, I I love that you see that me as calm and collected, but um, I it I it's fierce and it's a f- it's a fierce flame. Um, for me. I, I come I come from a family that's raised me to to be've come Cambridge we come, we come from Cambridge we have we have to be stoic and stiff up a lip my anger goes into my comedy and it goes into my writing it goes into the things I read um it I, I feel powerful um, and where I can channel that anger I, I my rage about about sexism and misogyny about um injustice um it was turned inward and that was a lot about my my eating disorders in particular it was about this unchanneled rage and thinking it was my fault that I felt this way and that these things outside of me they didn't need to change it was me that needed to change um and I'm such an awful person because of that so I would I would shove it all in now again, it's the creativity, um, the the having a voice, writing books, articles, um, shows, com- comedy shows, um, reading. There's some amazing books that I've just got. I, I seize on the tube when I'm reading. There's a, a book I'm reading at the moment called um, "Men Explain Things to Me." Yeah, have you read it? I've read some of it, and it's yeah, it's so good. It's a series of essays that you can easily read uh, between tube stops, which is great, or on bus stops if you're not if you're outside of London. Um, which I believe that there, there is another world that exists. <laughs> um, and when I'm reading that, I'm just I can feel my nails digging into the into the book, um, and it makes me want to contribute to move the conversation forward. Um, my ongoing journey of recovery from eating disorders is entirely linked to my ongoing relationship with feminism, um, because. I have a voice and as a woman it's been tried to shut down other people have tried to shut it down in so many ways and I have allowed it to be shut down and I've been uncomfortable with having a voice um for so many years and found ways to have a voice in, in that are creative and new and um sly uh, and I think that now's the time when we we are we've already figured out how to infiltrate and bring it down from the inside like oh I I will look a certain way okay I'll just I'll do my hair and I'll look I'll look I'll, I'll wear a nice outfit so that you will get your bum on that seat and sit down and listen to me talk for an hour and I will make you laugh and you will change your mind and you will you won't even realize it that's there are of course a thousand questions <laughs> and I feel like
1: we could talk for we've already sp- in theory spoken for two hours it if feels not more like now. about 10 minutes so I know um <laughs> I feel like we should do a sequel to this episode at some point. but Bets, for, I would be, love to. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. But the last question that I always ask <clears throat> is this. So you're in the delivery room and uh, you've just been born. But you are you now holding yourself as a tiny, tiny baby. It's a teeny, tiny Juliet. And she is crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere. And that wasn't there in the womb. And it's horrible. Is this the world? This is... Terrifying. Why is it all so different? And you know what the next however old you are years of your life, you know exactly what's gonna happen because you've lived it. And Juliet is scared and you know there's gonna be lights and sounds, but it won't be lights and sounds, it'll be other horrific things that are gonna happen to her. But you can say something to her about what's gonna happen. You can't give advice, it doesn't you can't change the future at all. You can't bring anything new to her. It's just for this very moment. You can maybe say something about what life's going to be like that might make her stop crying if that is what you want to do. What would you say to teeny tiny baby Juliet?
0: Breathe. Just breathe. Um, it's ah, that's such, it's such an interesting question because what was going through my head, and this is not an answer, <laughs> this is deflecting it to buy myself time. Um, I've I've said I've said from since since I was first in therapy I felt like I was born too early I was premature I was born three three weeks early but I I mean I don't mean in that literal sense I mean that I felt like this is might be a bit too arty farty for some people but I felt like and a feeling is a feeling it doesn't have to be real. I felt like I was pushed off the diving board of the souls that were being lined up, ready to be born. I felt like so, I was like looking over the edge going, Oh, it's very far. I'm not sure I can do No, I'm not. I, uh, no, I'm going to go back to the back of the queue. And then somebody just went, nah, your turn and pushed me. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm g- I want to go back. So it's- stop, stop, stop it. That's how I felt. I felt like I was born with this panic instilled in me. Um, and there might be some. There's some a lot of uh, pioneering uh, research being going into. My, ther- my current therapist is uh, reading up about uh, um, about prenatal psychology, so the psychology of babies within the womb from from the moment that they're conceived. Um, that I think is very relevant to to me and my family and uh, what was going on in our family before I was like during my mum's pregnancy with me. Um, so I know, like I, I'm imagining that baby in the delivery room and she's crying and feel like she's crying for all the reasons that i'm crying i still feel panicked and terrified now um i i would say to her it is going to be beautiful you'll only the breathe firstly (laughs) because i just feel like i don't do that enough anyway uh and it it is going to be beautiful The, the 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 bits that are painful are beautiful. The bits the bits that are not painful will be all the more beautiful because of the pain. It will be beautiful. Do you still need to be told that? Do you know what? On the way today, I walked I walk down from Alexandra Palace and I saw that view over London. And I just so, I breathed. I, I i i do that more i i do hear beauty i see i hear beauty i hear beauty i see beauty i feel i feel beauty um i i thank you for reminding me to do it more often
1: Thank you so much for doing this thank
0: you i'm um, beautiful soul <laughs>
1: like your stuff where can people find you oh
0: uh I forgot about that bit um, I'm on Twitter at Juliet Burton J-U-L-I-E double T-E B-U-R-T-O-N I'm on Facebook Juliet Burton Writer Performer I'm on Instagram Juliet underscore Burton and my website is julietburton.co.uk and you can sign up to my mailing list on there on the contact page and your podcast, which I think my listeners oh, yeah. will love, absolutely love. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's called Positive Mental Attitude Podcast. Um, it's on all good podcast out- outlets, including iTunes. So uh, if you search my name or if you search Positive Mental Attitude, um, yeah, it's and Sophie's now one of the guests as Yay. well. So search for that episode first. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope we do this again sometime. Oh, we we will. We definitely will.
1: <laughs> no Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoy Juliet as much as I do. She's wonderful. Go and see some of her shows and listen to her podcast, which I also did. <laughs> I was a, 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 a member. Why am I? I was a guest on her podcast as well. Oh, my God. Uh, it's uh, it's been a bit it's been a bit of a it's a bit of a time this, I I find myself saying most days, um, what a day. I say that so much, what a day. And that turns into what a week, what a month, what a year, what an existence. Um, I want to thank you for sticking by me. I know that uh, you could be spending your time and your money on so many other things. And I really, really appreciate, appreciate it Uh, I love this podcast so much and I say that to you as much as I say it to myself because there, there are days where I'll wake up and I'll just not want to wake up and I'll just want to lie and stare into the wall and if I have an interview or a chat that I'm meant to be recording for this podcast every fiber in my body wants to cancel that and just stay in bed but and sometimes I do Sometimes I do cancel it and then I feel guilty and I feel um, untrustworthy I mean I feel like I'm, uh, like you, you can't like no one can really count on me for anything and I, I start to feel like I'm unprofessional and it'll, it'll like, like it'll really backfire. But the, the times I, and the times I do wake up and I go and do the chat I'm always so happy because it makes me so happy. like these conversations give me so much just uh, like my heart, my heart becomes happy <laughs> from these conversations. But I know that uh, well, I and, you know, it's a lot of these intros and outros I recorded last minute, a lot of the interviews I recorded last minute, um, just because, you know, it's, it's suddenly Sunday again. You know what I mean? Like, oh my god, can that just be a week with no, <laughs> with no days in it? So what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is, When I'm in the best place mentally, uh, everything about this podcast is so easy because I love it so much and it's a joy to do. Uh, When it's hard, when things are hard, uh, a lot of things surrounding the podcast are hard to do. As soon as I'm in front of a person and I'm speaking, everything's fine. I could always do that. It's the waking up, it's the showering, it's the sending the email, trying to get the person, trying to find a venue to do the recording in or just a place or to clean my kitchen so they can come to my house or it's emailing back and forth and arranging a day and a time and waking up on that day and googling them and trying to make sure I don't say anything ridiculous and it's all of that work that's and then like recording this and I mean I fortunately have someone to edit this for me. Um, Hi Dave. But it's all of that admin bit that is that kills me when things are bad. And in those times when it's really, really hard and I and feel like I'm struggling with it. That's when it means everything that I can see that you're there and you're listening and you're, you like the podcast. And I'm saying this now because by now, people who don't like me or people who are listening, not for me, they will have turned this off. And that's absolutely fine. But you, who are still listening, I assume there's a reason why you're still listening. It might be hate listening. I hate listening to some podcasts. I totally get that. I, you do you. But if you if you're listening because you enjoy what I do and you maybe even like me as a person or as an artist or whatever, uh, you make this very. I'm I'm surprised. It's not surprised, but I'm I don't get used to the tweets, the nice tweets. I don't get used to the donations. I don't get used to it every single time. It warms my heart. And I'm really proud of this. And I'm so, so... I think what I'm saying is thank you for sticking by me even when things are a bit shit. (laughs) Like when the episode comes out too late or when it's uh, like a last minute recorded intro and outro and I stumble over my words. And I guess when this podcast isn't what it could have been, if my mental health was incredible. And that's when it fucking matters that you're there. So thank you for that. Uh, So maybe, I don't know, maybe if you were considering... Someone mentioned on another podcast, they said um, maybe you think that your donation won't matter if you can only afford to give like a dollar per episode or something like that. And I just I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of there might be people thinking oh, maybe it just disappears into a, an ocean of support or whatever. Like, why would I tweet? Why would my tweet matter? Why would my money matter? Why would my share matter? Uh, this is me saying, you matter so much. And I so appreciate it. Thank you. And I might not always reply. I might be really bad at liking or retweeting t- things. Or, But if I see it, uh, it warms my heart. Right. I've been rambling a lot. But it is essentially saying, ha, what a day what a fucking year don't be concerned i'm good i'm fine i'm in therapy i'm in therapy now i'm also in chiropractic <laughs> i've hurt my back and everything's i'm 30 now it was my birthday very recently so now my bag is fucked because that's part of being 30 i assume so uh what i'm saying is Thank you for sticking by me, especially when things are hard, which I think they are right now a tiny bit. Uh, So I want to so if you're wondering if you donating to the podcast, you helping out financially, if that even makes a difference, I promise you, I swear to God, it helps. And thank you so much. If um, even if you're just considering it. And I also totally understand if you can't afford it, because uh, welcome to my world right now, now. I want to say thank you to the people who are Patreons. There's um, uh, mopod.com, M-O-H-P-O-D dot com. You can either, there should be a thing called support or donate. Through there, you can find PayPal if you want to give a one-off donation. One of you just did. Thank you, Jake. And it had a happy birthday message to it. Thank you so much. That was so sweet. And uh, then there's patreon.com forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, where you can support by giving a uh, like a an amount of dollars per episode. If you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning that I will butcher your name here at the end. So, uh, I would like to say a massive thank you to you people who uh, just make it all worth it. A huge thank you to Andrea Papillon, Andy Walker, Barry Norton, Kat Porsey, Claire and Claire, Danny Beckett, Daniel Rifleseed, Eleanor, Emma Appleton, Emma Chan, Fiona Richardson, Hannah Keel, Harrivin Dyke, ha- Harry Minnett, Helena Thomas, Ida Sögerlassen, Inga Ellingsen, James Brand, Janie Mahoney, Joe C., Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen, Kate C., Davidson, uh, Queen C., Lillian Harry French, Murray Fraser, Manso Mia, Marbles Lars, Maroc- Morak, Fraser, Olivia Robson, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Feniff, uh, Rachel Hemsley, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, uh, Ragdoll, Robert Nose, Robin Kappa, Russell Hughes, Sarah Ferreira, I Sarah Allett, Sheena Michelle Cole, Cecil Fjellthun, and Susie Tyler. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening to that. Uh, thank you for listening, and um, thank you for just being great and just making my life better. Uh, and a thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode. Dave Pickering uh, also has two podcasts, one called Getting Better Acquainted which I was a guest on, but all the episodes are great. And The Family Tree, which I believe is scripted. Is it scripted, Dave? I think it's like a scripted fiction thing. Is it? Anyways, I'm a big fan. (laughs) Uh, I want to thank Harriet Brain for writing and recording the new jingle and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo. And uh, to you, have a wonderful day or evening or night or whenever you're listening to this. Uh, Go and check out Secret Dinosaur Cult, the podcast if you are looking for more podcasting stuff to do now. Uh, And come to some live shows. And otherwise, you know what? Just uh, take care of yourself and I will speak to you next Wednesday. Bye.